listening to The Culture Kid. I'm your host, Seth Farrow, and we have a really good show for you today. As usual, we're going to start the show off with the who and what, a segment where I give you all the details about what's popular in entertainment, like television, music, movies, world news, and more. I usually try to feature at least two or three of those topics in each show, and I believe I'll be able to cram in a few of those topics in today's episode, so there's quite a bit to talk about there. Then it's time for Seth's guest, and today I have quite the guest. I will be interviewing viral singer and songwriter Jan Terry. And if you don't know who she is, well, she went viral on YouTube in the mid-2000s and she was considered to have the worst music video ever. Her fans beg to differ, and she's actually been making music long before YouTube even existed. She's been making music since the 90s. She has a new album, and we're going to talk about that and all of her ventures past and present, so it will be a very interesting interview for sure. Finally, we're going to close out the show with Look What Seth Found, where I'm going to tell you all about The weekend's latest album, Dawn FM. Now, I know it was released a couple of months ago, but people are still listening to it. And I know you've probably heard the two hits from the album, Take My Breath and Sacrifice, but there are actually more songs to the album than those two tracks. I'll tell you what my experience was listening to the album. That's all coming up on today's episode of The Culture Kid. Let's get started. It's time for the who and what. This story kind of combines late night television and world events. And since we also like to cover what's going on in the world, this story is the perfect storm. And what's going on in the world around us is extremely relevant, actually the most relevant out of anything. So it's good to cover it. The Russian invasion and crisis happening in Ukraine is sad, and my thoughts and my prayers go out to all the people and families of Ukraine. It's a messy situation that is having an impact on the entire world, and, of course, it's been all over the news. Well, CNN had been covering the situation, and in a broadcast from last week, CNN teased an update about the invasion, which was coming up right after the upcoming commercial break, which seems normal at first. However, what was about to happen at the start of the break could either be considered a bad coincidence or a really careless effort from the control room. Right after CNN teased an update about the air sirens ringing in Ukraine's capital, they cut to a commercial for Applebee's, which featured a country song and a man with cowboy boots and blue jeans shaking his booty. A lot of people felt this was inappropriate of CNN, including John Oliver. On a recent episode of Last Week Tonight, Oliver made the point that it was inappropriate of CNN to transition to that type of commercial at that time saying that they were making an already bad situation even worse, and that the transition from the coverage of Air Sirens to, in his words, the country song that thinks listing food items counts as lyrics, all the way to this human boot barn shaking his non-existent ass, and a restaurant whose food can only be described as sometimes warm, was aggressively American. People on Twitter agreed, saying that it was inappropriate on CNN's part. A lot of people were not happy about that, and Applebee's even made a statement saying that it was inappropriate of CNN, and, as far as we know, CNN hasn't made any statements about it, so definitely some mixed views on this. All statements aside, let's hope Ukraine, Russia, and the world can all unite and find some peace. A world of peace is a world that we'd all want to live in, for sure. Now we're moving on to movie news. There are lots of musicals, and it seems like the musical Broadway scene is at a high right now. Now there's another musical to add to the shuffle, and this time it's going to be available to watch in the streaming world, specifically Disney+. 
The trailer for the dramedy, comedy drama, musical film Better Nate Than Ever has just been released, and the film itself is actually based off a novel of the same name from Tim Federley. Some of the stars in the movie include High School Musical, the musical, the series is Joshua Bassett, and Lisa Kudrow. Rubai Wood stars as Nate Foster, the main character. It's a coming-of-age story about 13-year-old Nate Foster, an unpopular middle school student who dreams of becoming a Broadway star. Nate had tried to make the auditions in school, but was never cast in the lead roles that he wanted. He eventually decides to chase his dream and travels to New York with his friend Libby. And throughout this musical adventure, they meet his aunt Heidi, who is also a Broadway actress. Now, I must say, the trailer doesn't look too bad. It seems fairly decent. And if the movie lives up to the trailer, which I think seems likely, then I'm sure a lot of people are really going to like it. The movie is expected to be released on April 1st of this year. Now let's talk about Lindsay Lohan, and specifically The Parent Trap. You probably remember the movie which catapulted Lindsay Lohan to stardom, and Lohan was also fond of the movie, so much so that she recently recreated an iconic scene from The Parent Trap. Of course, Lohan played the two sisters, Annie James and Haley Parker. Now, of course, at first they didn't realize that they were sisters, they were separated at birth, and for both of them, one didn't know the other existed until they met at a summer camp, and having met each other, they set up a wildly conducted and complicated but thought-out plan to get their parents back together. If you've never seen it, you have to check it out, it's a really fun movie. Well, Lohan took to TikTok to recreate a scene from The Parent Trap where the sisters both shade each other, uttering that infamous line, You want to know the difference between us? I have class and you don't. Lohan put, You heard it here first, as the caption. Funny stuff. And with that said, that was the who and what. Now it's time for Seth's guest. We have a very unique guest today, so let's get to it. It is now time for Seth's guest, and I have the one, the only, Jan Terry. How are you doing today? Okay, how are you doing, Seth? I am, I am doing well, doing well. I'm glad to be talking to you today. Okie dokie. And you have a dog, too, Jojo. Jojo, Jojo, come here, baby. There he is. Jojo, just, come here. Looks like he's grooming. Yeah, he's... He's watching his blue bloods. He likes blue that show. Bloods. Yep. Yeah, it looked like he was sleeping for a minute. <laughs> well, he was. Come here, Jojo. Jojo. So I want to know what just made you decide to become a singer. Well, I was starting out as a songwriter. And with these record labels trying to get a deal as a songwriter, and they all want you to do, to do your own song. So I started to do that. My grandfather and my dad were, um, my grandfather was a musician and he used to write songs back when you had uh, Tim Pan Alley um, in New York. So That kind of inspired you to want to do your own music in a way. Well, yes, I used to listen to a lot of different music and I was a drummer. And my favorite drummers were Gene Krupa and Buddy Rich. That's they would like jazz type um, drummers. And then I like um, Metallica, um, Lars, uh, Ringo Starr was okay. Um, there's a whole bunch of different you know artists that I. 
And you write all your own songs yourself. Like you write all your songs. Do you have any musical influences for songwriting? Um, I had music theory in in college and in high school, but um, I'm not. I don't play uh, keyboards or or guitar like like a lot of people um, that white songs do. I have the music in my head, and I just need like a secretary to transpose it for me. So, and that's it. And in the past, you've compared your songwriting to the Beatles. Are they like a big influence on your songwriting, like your the lyrics? Well, yes. Um, the Beatles have really good uh, um, hooks to to their chorus, and they were simple writers. And I consider myself simple writing. And also, too, you have um, Barry Manilow, and uh, I like his uh, style of music and put back rack and there's a whole bunch of different songwriters that you know kind of like influenced me so i'm losing you it was uploaded to youtube years ago under the title worst music video ever do you think you have the worst music video ever no it was just somebody's opinion that that when it went up because it was on vhs and plus two the uh worst music videos than mine and they are with the record companies and they pay a lot of money for their music videos they do and you can oh, tell yeah. some of them have big budgets too like um like you've seen like michael jackson's music videos for like thriller i heard that had a big budget too at some of madonna's songs and then there are some music videos like i've noticed nowadays you have some that they try to use your aesthetic that you had like the um like the more low budget kind of look like that's kind of become really popular in songs nowadays. Who knows? Maybe you inspired a lot of people. Could have. I don't know. I, I studied that at Columbia College um, film, TV, radio. When you're looking to shoot a music video, what are the places you like to film at or shoot in? Well, it depends on the music video. And then when I was driving a limo when I was out and about, then I just go in and we search different places. And then I call up the, the call the people that I'm, I'm want to shoot it and see, you know, what they need. You know, do I need a permit there? Do I need their permission? And that's about it. And you shot and for losing a video, you were at the airport at the end of it. Um, yeah, um, for losing you. Well, we technically shot, because I lived at, uh, in Franklin Park and I lived close to O'Hare Field. We shot that first. And then from there, then we um, went downtown. And then from downtown, I took everybody to a restaurant. And then at the restaurant and around the area there in Little Italy, we shot some more. What exactly do you write, like to write about? in terms of songs, like what inspires you to write? It depends. Um, uh, it depends. I write all different things. So, you know, and you have, an, and I know you like to write songs that make people feel good. Um, you have an album called songs for hope, the new one that just came out. What are, what is the meaning behind the album? Well, 
Um, you know, when we were shut off in that Corona 19, everybody was depressed and so much dialing and, and stuff. I, my songs I write to make people feel good. You know, like when kids get bullied, they come home and they listen to my music from school and it makes them feel good. And that's, that's technically that's the whole key of, of why I put music out to make people forget about the problems and just, you know, sit back and relax. Like in the Gilligan time, sit back and relax, take a three hour cruise. Yeah. So uh, that's about it. You know, just in, music is supposed to be a healing and music is supposed to be enjoyment. So that's definitely true. People look into music for an escape. It's an outlet for people. Right. The, and some of people are inspired by real life. Like you can like people in breakups, you know what? Music can be therapeutic to write songs for people. It can be therapeutic. I'm sure it's probably the same way for you. You know, you write, have a bad breakup, you know, you write a song and you get a hit, kind of a hit like on the internet, you know? So it would be amazing if we all had that life, wouldn't it? One half yeah. your life, Jan. Totally. Um, how long have you been working on new music and why do you want to heal people with your music as you describe? For the new album, some a couple of the songs I wrote back in 2010, but it, it, I shelve it. And then then later on when I'm doing something or going to be going in the studio, then I finish it. And the only thing is uh, Denny died in 2018. So I wanted to do a song about Denny. And do you have a favorite song off the new album? New album, I would say Hot Dog Baby. Hot Wanna Dog hear Baby. Some? Dog, yeah. All hot right, dog. JoJo. Hot dog, baby, hot dog, woo-woo. Hot dog, baby, hot dog, woo-woo. Bola, woo-woo. Contare, woo-woo-woo-woo. Now blue, da da Did you get to see JoJo? I can see him a little bit. He's like, oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah, that, that that's his. Uh, that's he debuts on this album, so he I sings "Jojo for President" and "Hot Dog Baby." So he's got a nice voice. Wow. My singing teacher heard him, and she said he sings on tune. He has a nice voice, so he sings Latin and Italian. Jojo. <laughs> so Jojo's in one of his moods, I guess. Yeah, come here, come here. He had a hot dog for breakfast. Come here, oh, Jojo. A song called Hot Dog Baby Eats a Hot Dog. Yep. What is so it about? Yeah, it's about baseball and eating hot dogs and joining yourself at a game is technically what Hot Dog Baby is about. So right now what we're going to do is I figured we'd take a little break from the serious stuff and we'd play a game called Rapid Fire Questions. It's a segment we have here on The Culture Kid. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to answer several short questions that you have to answer as quickly as possible. No pressure, no pressure. Just don't think about it too much. You just got to hit them as fast as you can. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Favorite song you've ever made? Losing You. What's a song that inspires you? I guess Blame It On Tequila. What's your favorite city? New York. Favorite song to perform on stage? 
journey to Mars, because then I can throw out candy to the audience. <laughs> That's cool. Ice cream or cake? Uh, ice cream, the jalapi Italian ice cream. Oh yeah, my dad likes that. Being what's Italian. a place? What's a place you haven't been to yet that you'd like to visit? Italy. Italy. Yeah, I like. We were gonna go to Italy at one point as a family, but didn't come through. But I, that Italy looks like it would be nice to visit. What's the most embarrassing thing that you've done on stage? Hmm. No question. I take the fifth on that one. I don't. I don't know. How this one? Have you ever farted on stage? No. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Okay. The Beatles or Elvis? I, I like both of them, but I, I prefer I'll say Beatles. If you could do, do a duet with any artist, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, Happy Dean Martin. Dean Martin. Most memorable fan? Um, let's see. I have somebody down in Australia. You said it as a fan? Fan that? Fan for me or, or, or me? Fan of yours. Oh. Like a fan encounter. Most most popular um, fan. Yeah. Um, I think David Downing. Oh, you. Yeah, that's it. You. Oh, <laughs> that's very nice. Um, what's your least favorite holiday? Because you write a lot of holiday songs. What's your least favorite holiday? Hmm. I don't really have one. Don't have a least favorite. You like all of them. Yeah. Favorite childhood memory. Um, going to Knoxbury Farm as a kid and panning for gold. Wow, that could be something you could write a song about. We're painting for gold. La la. I don't know. I'm I'm not very, I'm not as good at songwriting as you are. Um, favorite I'm karaoke. Just I'm just average. Okay, karaoke. Favorite karaoke song. Um, let's see. I guess Olivia Newton John song. I honestly love you. And you did that on your album too. You did two different versions of it. One was a dance yes. remix. Yep. Favorite song to blast in the car. That song that was um, in the movie uh, Top Gun, Danger Zone. Do, do, do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was your last Google search? Restaurants and Corona. Favorite singer? Olivia Newton John. Jo JoJo's favorite is J Lo. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Favorite song from another artist? Marie Osmond's new album. What's your motto in life? Live for every day, take it slow. Yeah. And what's a quick quote you'd like to give everyone listening? An inspiring quote that you'd like to give everybody for words of inspiration, words of wisdom. Down in the future, it will get better. Right now, it seems to be worse. But when um, God and Jesus take over, it will be better. All right. Okay. And you answered all those rapid fire questions. Look at that. We did <laughs> well, it. Okay. Um, but back to the serious questions, though. Um, you were talking about JoJo and your pets. Your pets, 
your pets past and present, including Jojo, have played a role in your music videos and social media. You're always posting about Jojo, and you even wrote a tribute to your now-deceased dog, Denny, as you described, um, in your new album. Why do you like to show off your pets? Well, people are like Denny and Jojo. Uh, Denny, Denny was a dog that loved going to Beverly Hills, and and Denny was in um, he was in the movie Skyrockets. He also was in the ending of Ava Maria. Um, so uh, Denny wanted to be a, a, a star. He loved Lisa Vanderpump, and. Um, <laughs> And Jojo, Jojo's a shelter dog, and um, we worked with a trainer, and and he's my um, service dog because I'm I'm a diabetic, and he knows when my sugar is off, and that was it. And he just has a nice little voice, and you know, he's a smart dog. Yep. And speaking of Jojo, you claim your dog is running for president, right? Why we're gonna see we're gonna see if we we can get them on the ballot. You have dogs that are mayor, mayors in different cities, and I don't know if any dog is a is a governor. But let's see if we can get Jojo. Uh, Jojo's neutral, so he's not a he's not a he's not a politician. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He he's Italian, and it, and there has never been an Italian president. So let's see, you know, if let's see if we can get him on the ballot. If not, it is really good. It's if not, it's a real good promotional for the album. Now, I don't want to be the skunk of the whole garden party here, but dogs don't normally run for president. How is it possible for a dog to run for president? And how are you going to get Jojo on the polls? It's the ballot first. I, I don't know. Um, you have to, it, there's uh, 51 states, so I think you have to, when it's time to, you got to write a letter and see if we can get them on. But if not, it's a very good publicity stunt um, yeah. to promote the album. So, and I mean, we have merchandise that's going on sale that has him too. And that's actually what I was going to ask you. You had mentioned before that you're you're going to you plan on selling merchandise. Where will people be able to find the merch? It's on Redbubble, and um, my music is on um, you know Spotify, all the online places, Bandcamp, even through CD Baby and all that stuff. You mentioned where people can buy songs, buy and listen to songs for hope. Um, where where can people find you on social media if they want to stay updated? Um, Instagram, on Instagram, I am the original Jan Terry. Facebook, it's just Jan Terry. Twitter, I am the real Jan Terry. The original Jan Terry and the real Jan Terry. Do you ever get like impersonators pretending to be you? Like yeah. That's yeah. probably why you have to put the original and the real Jan Terry to differentiate yourself from the fakers. Right. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jan. You're welcome. It's 
now time for Look What Seth Found, and today I'm going to talk about an album I listened to a couple of months ago when it came out, and I'm sure a lot of you probably know about it, or at least the artist behind the record. It's already spawned two somewhat successful singles on pop radio so far, and it features the artist's signature 80s-inspired sound. I'm talking about The Weeknd and his latest album, Dawn FM. For fans of The Weeknd, there's plenty more to love in this album, including its creativity. I say that because the title of the album, Dawn FM, is actually referred to the name of a fictional radio station throughout the record. These tracks have their own IDs, identifications as well, saying lines like, You're listening to Dawn FM, and The Weeknd singing the words, 103.5 Dawn FM in a jingle form. This is especially noticeable in the first track, which then leads into the song Gasoline, which actually has a dark story to it. You see, a lot of the song is about drug use, and while it's certainly not the first time he's talked about this, it actually becomes darker because The Weeknd also talks about a form of death in the song, referring to his lover as a crutch for his drug use, as well as wrapping his body in sheets and pouring out gasoline if he dies, and wanting to believe there's more to live. The thing that makes it even more interesting is that the song is upbeat and has a groovy beat and melody to it, but the lyrics are so dark and it's actually a common theme in The Weeknd's songs. His 2015 hit, Can't Feel My Face, was upbeat and happy sounding, but the lyrics were about drug use. He's really good at disguising his lyrics in good beats. It's a similar story with the third track on the album, How Do I Make You Love Me, a song where he grieves over his lover and wonders how he can make them fall for him and make their relationship last. Then, of course, you have his two infamous hits, Take My Breath and Sacrifice, but another one of the songs I like from the album is Best Friends. It's about not wanting to get carried away in an already overly sexual relationship and wanting to focus on being friends first. Is There Someone Else is a little more ballady about wanting to be loyal in a current relationship and wanting to love forever. Starry Eyes, another ballad, is about the weekend wanting to get into a relationship with the girl of his dreams so he can help her emotionally. The final song is a poem called Phantom Regrets by Jim, which features the Donna FM announcer, who happens to be Jim Carrey, giving a poem about self-reflection, ending with the words, You gotta be heaven to see heaven. May peace be with you. At the end of listening, I thought, what an album. I mean, I would say The Weeknd did the same thing with his previous album, After Hours, and Dawn FM is actually a direct sequel to After Hours, so to me, The Weeknd is currently not disappointed, and I want to know what you thought of the album. Let me know on our Facebook page, The Culture Kid. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but check out the album if you haven't already. I'm sure you'll be pleased. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode of The Culture Kid. I had a great time. I hope you had a great time listening to the show. I want to thank Jan Terry for joining me today, and I want to thank you for joining. I really appreciate it. Of course, if you want to stay updated with the show, be sure to like our Facebook page, The Culture Kid. There we post the links to the episodes, photos, videos, and exclusive clips you won't find anywhere else. Be sure to give us a like. I'm Seth Farrow. We'll talk to you next week.